A reading from Joshua. Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and summoned the elders, the heads, the judges, and the officials of Israel, and they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said to all the people, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Long ago your ancestors, Terah and his sons, Abraham and Nahar, lived beyond the Euphrates and served other gods. Then I took your father Abraham from beyond the river and led him through all the land of Canaan and made his offspring many. Now therefore, revere the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your ancestors served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. Now if you are unwilling to serve the Lord, Choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served in the region beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Then the people answered, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For it is the Lord our God who brought us and our ancestors up from the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, and who did those great signs in our sight. He protected us along the way that we went and among all the peoples through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out before us all the peoples, the Amorites who lived in the land. Therefore, we also will serve the Lord, for he is our God. But Joshua said to the people, You cannot serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions or your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do you harm and consume you after having done you good. And the people said to Joshua, No, we will serve the Lord. Then Joshua said to the people, You are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen the Lord to serve him. And they said, We are witnesses. He said, then put away the foreign gods that are among you and incline your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. The people said to Joshua, the Lord our God we will serve and him we will obey. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and made statutes and ordinances for them at Shechem. The word of the Lord. reading from 1st Thessalonians. Excuse me. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about those who have died, so that you may not grieve as others who, do not, who have no hope. For since we believe that Christ died and rose again, even, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have died. For this we declare to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive, we who are left until the coming of the Lord, will by no means precede those who have died. For the Lord himself, with a cry of command, with the archangel's call, and with the sound of God's trumpet, will descend from heaven, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we, we who are alive, we who are left, will be caught up in the clouds together with them to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will all be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. The word of the Lord. 
Lord Jesus Christ, according to Matthew. Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven will be like this. Ten bridesmaids took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. When the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, all of them became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a shout, look, here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. And all those bridesmaids got up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise replied, No, there will not be enough for you and for us. You'd better go to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. And while they went to buy it, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went with him into the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later the other bridesmaids came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he replied, Truly I tell you, I do not know you. Keep awake, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. The Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. So in this story, we've got ten bridesmaids, sometimes called ten virgins, who are waiting for a wedding perception and they got lamps. This is a um, likely facsimile of the kind of lamps that we're talking about. Obviously, you see it's very small, enough oil to burn for about an hour. So you're not thinking about this lighting up the street, but we're also not having street lights. So it's a dark world. The way this is supposed to go, according to the custom, is that um, weddings which can last upwards of seven days in in this time and place in the world sort of start out with a parade where the the group, the bride and the groom and the attendants, etc., I'm pretty sure there were attendants back then, right? Uh, they go all the way through the town on a parade, the parade growing kind of like a conga line as they go through, and then they arrive at the party place, and that's where the party unfolds. Now, in this story, there's ten ladies on the parade route. They are ready to hop in the conga line. And don't think that the foolish people have no oil, That would be really foolish. Just think that they don't have a refill. So this will burn for about an hour, after which time the wick will be consumed because there's no oil to wet it. You know, most of us know this. You keep adding oil, and it's the oil that burns and not the wick, right? So uh, they fall asleep because the bridegroom is taking too long. That is, he's having a street party along the parade route. You should not miss this detail. The party is so good, it does not wait to get where it's going. It's really an important detail. Now, the ladies fall asleep, and they wake up, and shucks. There's just not enough oil to light this thing again. And the other folks don't want to share because, well, they don't know if they'll have enough for themselves. So, so off you go, and of course we get it while they're gone. The bride who comes, they miss the parade. So make sure you've got enough oil or uh, you're left out. <laughs> there are many ways, I suppose, we could read this story. Um, some of them probably sinister. I, I don't want to read it that way. Instead, I want to suggest to you 
that there is a reflection here about how life is to be lived in God's family. Uh, one way we could choose to live it is with a very discreet goal and ambition in mind. We set out with one idea in our head, we're ready to do it, and then ultimately there's not a lot of staying power for the setbacks that seem to be at least true to my life along the way. And in those setbacks, we might miss the party that God intended us to be celebrating, not only at the end, but all along the way. If you're willing to consider this with me, let me tell you then an analogical story. It begins with me telling you, I'm not really an athlete. I'm not. But I did decide this year that I was going to run a marathon. I decided it in December, and I was confident that I was going to run the marathon in March. Now, why I did this, I don't know. I think I decided that I was only getting older. and I had better do it now or else forget it. So sure enough, I had just enough oil in my lamp to run that March marathon. The problem is that in January, I got hurt after two weeks of training. (laughs) I told you I'm not an athlete. In fact, I had to wear a walking boot. I recovered and decided I would train some more, but I should tell you this, in January and in April and in May, and in June, most of July. (laughs) I don't like running. (laughs) Running is something you do, I think, to get punished when you're on the sports teams I was on because we weren't runners. I I wrestled and I was a swimmer a little bit. Not a good one at either thing. Running was how we got punished. And sure enough, running was a great way to punish myself. So... I did all of the right training things. I ran three times a week, a three to five mile run, and then an eight mile run later in the week, and then the long run. And I do have to tell you, I found some excitement in the short and the long runs. The short one because I could run it faster. I could time myself, and I made progress toward my goal. The long run was great because I ran longer. I made progress toward my goal. I hated the medium run because I was neither faster nor had I made any progress. The point of the medium run was not to be fast. It wasn't to go farther. It was to log the mileage. Least favorite day of the week. There is no iPod that will sufficiently cover up the agony of doing something that you hate. (laughs) (laughs) I really didn't have a lot of oil when I got set back. My plan was to just have enough to do the race. I didn't just get hurt once, I got hurt a bunch of times. Then around about July, my wife said this rather snide comments to me. She said, wow, you sure spend a lot of time running. I said, yes, I sure do. She said, do you enjoy it? (laughs) Of course not. (laughs) She said, Mike, that's like your only hobby. You pretty much should enjoy your hobby. Why don't you try enjoying running? Now, this was a foreign way of thinking. (laughs) Because the point of running, don't you see, was to run a marathon 
not to enjoy running. The, the, the point was to check a box and accomplish something. I don't know why I decided to take her advice. It took me a long time. But it occurred to me that she was right. I actually, other than taking care of my kids and cooking and working, I didn't really do anything else. That was it. I got up at 4 o'clock in the morning and I went jogging. Jogging. And then, she was right. I decided one day that actually I did like running. <laughs> I know this is really crazy. <laughs> uh, and you know, my favorite run was not the short, fast run, and it wasn't the long one, although I do like meeting goals because of my type A personality. It was that middle one that I started to enjoy the most because in that middle run, I wasn't thinking about checking boxes in a training plan. I'd already gone the distance. I was thinking about my body and enjoying the time I spent with it doing the only hobby I've had all year. I wonder if this isn't what Jesus is talking about today. Whatever your hobby is, maybe your hobby is Christianity. Maybe your hobby is your religious and spiritual life. And I can tell you that's one of my hobbies and my approach to it as a young person was meet the goal. And the only goal I had was get to the party at the end. Put a different way, don't go to hell. <laughs> that was all that the spiritual life and the Christian life was about for me. And of course the way you do that is by living unenjoyably the whole time you're alive. <laughs> Of course, I hated being Christian, but I had the goal in mind at the end, just like I hated running, but had the goal in mind at the end. And obviously, running is a much less important hobby for me than my faith hobby. wonder if Jesus isn't asking us to reevaluate the way we're doing the race wonder if Jesus isn't trying to ask us to say, don't be a foolish person and miss the party along the way. It's not just at the end, it's right now. And if we are not running in such a way, the faith journey before us now, we're missing God's intent. I'm pretty sure that's why, or one way to hear, what Joshua has to say to us today, which is arguably the worst evangelical sermon I've ever heard in my life. Joshua says, Choose today who you'll follow, God or the idols. As for me and my family, we'll serve God. The people say, We will too. This is good. If you'd stopped there, this would be good. And then Joshua says, no, you won't. You can't do it. You're going to fail. <laughs> People will not go to that church <laughs> more than once. <laughs> You're going to fail because you are thinking about what God will give you when you're done instead of the lifestyle that God is inviting you to enjoy alongside God the whole way. No, Joshua, we can do it. You are witnesses against yourself. Again, you won't go to that church more than once. 
unless you're a deacon <laughs> or a priest. Uh, anyway, your witness is against yourself that you're going to fail. And again, I wonder if Joshua isn't inviting us into this different idea, right? That it's not about having all the resources you need for the journey, all the water bottles and all the, the, the goo that you need to run the marathon. It's about the whole spirit with which we do it. If this is about work for a reward that we get later instead of a hobby and a lifestyle that bring enjoyment to us and therefore, frankly, enjoyment to the world, maybe we're not doing it right. There's this bizarre thing with runners that took me a long time to figure this out. Some of them are running with smiles on their face and they're not crazy. I was pretty sure that a smiling runner on mile 20 was deranged. <laughs> you know, like sometimes how you laugh instead of so you don't cry. You, you know that one? <laughs> Maybe that was the deal. But sure enough, I found that, um, no, there's something, there actually is something to the real smile even when you're tired. Makes me think that the generosity that God invites us to enter into is not so that we can have a jewel in our heavenly crown later, it's because life is more enjoyable when we're generous. It makes me think that forgiveness is not something God needs us to have to earn a heavenly voyage. It's something that God invites us to enjoy. It makes me think that compassion and faith and hope and love and all of these other Christian virtues are not about subjugating us to God's will so we can be miserable and earn heaven, but precisely because that's where heaven is to be found right now. And back to the lamps, you know, there's this weird thing. Everybody on the parade route already has a lamp, so why do they need ones? You know how many lumens that puts out? <laughs> Seven? One? There's this old rabbinic story that I think is part of this. According to the Torah, a blind person can't carry a lamp. And in the Midrash, there's this story where one day a rabbi is walking down the street and finds a blind person carrying a lamp and says, what on earth are you doing carrying that lamp? You don't need it to see. And the blind person says, no, I'm carrying it, of course, so that other people can see me. Wonder if that isn't part of the joy that God is inviting us to live into. There is nothing more uplifting than meeting another person who is genuinely enjoying what they're doing. People talk about evangelism and the church not doing it. People talk about how the church is fading and dying and not growing. I sure did a lot of evangelism in high school. I invited to be people just as miserable in their Christian life as I was. Good news, I am so miserable, and you can share my misery. Well, you'll get heaven when you die, but just let's come be miserable together. I wonder if Jesus isn't telling this story and Joshua isn't reminding us that the light is so that people can see us. What better way to talk to people about God than enjoying God ourselves?
Wouldn't that be a light? Of course, the reason I think we hear Thessalonians, people are worried because some people died on the parade route. They didn't make it to the party, and they're worried, do they miss the party at the end? And Paul says, no, far from it. We go to the party all together. Whether you're living or you're dead, God pulls you up because <laughs> since we've partied with God already, we get to keep partying with God in the end. Don't be concerned. See, for me, when I started, running was all about the marathon and not about the running. And if our Christian life is all about the end and not about our life, I sure do wonder about the light we're shining. I'm positive people can see us, and I'm positive often people would love to avoid what they see. And if we could step back, aren't there parts of ourselves that we would like to avoid? Because they're not fun. Wonder if Jesus isn't saying, it's not too late. Take a step back from that stuff that is unenjoyable. God came to give us a larger life, not a more diminished one. The worst thing we could do as a follower of God is miss the party that is happening all along the way. So I guess in the words of Bill and Ted, party on. (laughs) 